Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome one and welcome all to this sick guy edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I will not let the Iron Man streak come to an end, not at the hands of a cold. Something a little bigger is going to have to come get me. Not that not that I'm daring something. Please don't. I'm beat up right now, everybody. I'm getting I'm getting walloped. The cold has moved. You guys know how that works. It it gravitates from one area of your body to another. It was like that first Monday, Tuesday, I just sort of felt off. I like to say to my wife when I have that, I say my stasis is off. You know, I don't have my homeostasis anymore. And I thought maybe it was just because I was overtired because, you know, two kids, we don't get rest around here. But then on Wednesday, all of a sudden, you got that tickle, you know, or late, maybe it was late Tuesday, you got that tickle towards the back of the throat. And I'm going, oh, this is it, isn't it? Please go away. Please just be a guy who talked too much on a broadcast. Nope. So yesterday it was all through the throat. My throat was a, just a wreck. And you could hear it starting to chew away at my, vo- my vocal cords. Today, and honestly, I think I kind of prefer this, which is weird. It's more annoying, but it's less painful. You know, the throat pain is largely gone, although I am on Tylenol and Advil, so that probably has something to do with it. But the cold has now gravitated, and it is straight up in my face. My nose is pouring. My eyes are actually kind of, like, watery and a little drippy. I know, it's a rough one for your old pal Dan. My sinuses are obviously popped. I got to take my kid to elementary school this morning, uh, and I have to kind of drive through some hills to get there. And by the time we got to school, my, my ears were just so popped and exploded that I almost called in sick on walking my kid up to kindergarten. Now everybody stay away from me. Get away. Get away from the germ guy. Actually, I think the music might still be going. Um, that is for the live studio audience, or whatever you want to call it. Hello, one and all. Uh, and I say that because we've got the simulcast going today. I'm sorry, folks. I'm having a little trouble keeping my thoughts straight. I'm... Uh, I'm loopy as hell, it, it, but we're going to get through this thing. I Have a laugh at my expense. That's all I ask of you. I still watched all the games I could yesterday, and I'm still doing the work, but I'm loopy as hell. Uh, we got the recorded pod listeners. We got the live YouTube audience. I'm going to not yell any, anything at anybody other than to just keep saying, you know, if you guys are interested in covering a team with us, please do let me know. I think there's been four or five or six of you that have kind of heard what it's going to take and have still said that it's a thing you want to do, and it'd be really cool for us to add, I think we might be adding three or four more football team coverages, uh, another one or two basketball teams coming to the mix, so uh, we're filling up here, and honestly, that's that's kind of my dream, is to get every big league team covered with a podcast, because you'll be working with me, you'll be working with David Williams, host of our uh, Memphis Grizzlies show, one of the hosts of our Memphis Grizzlies show, as we kind of get you guys up off the ground, and then with an end goal of basically being a credentialed member of NBA or baseball or or NFL media, and get you in the arena or on the field or whatever you know venue you want to be talking about there. But let's just go ahead and dive on in because 
uh, well, first of all, follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, whether you're live viewer or recorded viewer. We continue to do a crap ton of stuff over on social media. I would also like to throw out there that overnight, uh, I passed the 16,000 follower threshold thanks to all of you. So I am going to be giving out a copious number of prizes today of various shapes and sizes. Most of them will be different memberships here at Sports Ethos, Fantasy Pass, DFS Pass, Wager Pass, maybe a bundle. So today's the day to go find me on social media. I'll be sending out a tweet at some point, probably just after lunchtime Pacific, with what it's going to take to sort of be a part of the contest. But I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to be that hard. It'll probably be something as simple as liking and tagging someone. Maybe even easier than that. I don't I don't know. It'll be extremely straightforward. It'll require very little effort on your part. And the payoff will be uh, a, a bunch of prizes. It's not going to be like one winner. I'm going to do a bunch. Maybe I'll do 16 freaking winners for 16,000. I haven't decided yet. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it off the cuff. I'm flying by the edge of my seat. But enough flying, because my head is already floating off into the clouds on various cold medicines. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. What the hell happened yesterday, said the sick guy who's having trouble with his eyes focusing on things. Philly beat Orlando 105-94. We're going to really, you know, okay, so again, another warning on today's show. It's not going to be a long one. Yesterday, I think we went, what, 30-some-odd minutes? We might not make it that far today. I've, I'm sniffling. I'm snuffling. And, I, you know, honestly, just I got to get through this thing. Yesterday, I needed to kind of lie down because, like, my my chest and upper body were hurting. Today, I'm going to need to get off the show so that, like, physically boogers don't fall onto my microphone. And the live YouTube audience, man, you guys are in for a real treat if that goes down. Woo-wee. All right, no massive surprises in Philly, Orlando. Jalen Suggs had a better ball game, but nobody cared. Wendell Carter Jr. played through a sore plantar fascia, and I did care because I had one eye on Mo Wagner in case uh, WCJ needed to miss any time. DeAnthony Melton had a bad ball game on the Philly side. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had a bad ball game as well. I thought maybe you'd see a little bit more Melton there, but they went George Niang, uh, who was a plus 17 in that ball game. So, I, you know, kudos to Doc Rivers. I'd love for to just say play Melton over and over again, but he was bad yesterday. And he went to the guy who was helping them. Floor space a little bit, but also uh, Niang just played well. He's not an ad by any stretch. Melton's a guy I'm holding on to uh, for a number of reasons. The biggest one being uh, on the Roto side, maybe you kind of hold off and you play him when somebody's out. If you wanted to, I'm okay with that. Head-to-head, I think you can play him pretty much every day because someone is often out and that elevates him to uh, a consistently playable weekly number. The other thing that I haven't talked about all that much on the podcast is Tyrese Maxey. You guys might remember that I was sort of quietly not into Maxey during draft season, and it wasn't because I don't like his fantasy game. Uh, It was because I didn't believe that he could match last year's field goal percent. And indeed, that has been one of the big things to taper off for him, uh... Both, I think all percentages are kind of down for Maxi. Now, could that level off the rest of this year? It could. He was hurt for a very long time, so he's kind of going through another acclimation process. But they're also kind of turning him into something else, which is that bench gunner role. And that's going to mean relatively high volume, 
but nothing really to kind of keep him in check with that high volume. Uh, even within here at Sports Ethos, I was lower, and I didn't want to like, I didn't want to ruffle feathers because I knew some of our other very, very sharp folks were were higher on him. Uh, so I just kind of quietly said, you know, it's not a guy that I'm really targeting this year, and he's been a little underwhelming. Forget the injury for a minute, because that that could happen to anybody. A lot, of, a lot of the guys that we had that were being having successful seasons are injured right now or have been. I'm thinking more along the lines of just the efficiency handicap, and it's why it's one of those things where, like, trying to figure out if something is a flash in the pan or reality is really hard. I, I think me and a number of other folks, we got it wrong on Keldon Johnson. His efficiency bump towards the end of last year didn't hold, some of that was moving back to small forward. That's been annoying for him. Uh, and some of it is just what's a mirage and what's real. Portland-Memphis, this game had a couple of storylines. Storyline number one, Xavier Tillman got the start, most likely to deal with Yusuf Nurkic, who then left the ball game three minutes in. And then it seemed like the Grizzlies were going to probably slide into more of a timeshare, but Brandon Clark picked up three fouls in five minutes in the first half, which... He didn't pick up any fouls the rest of the way, which was good, so he did get a dozen minutes in the second half, and that's more than enough for him. 12 minutes per half would would absolutely get the job done for Brandon Clark. But if you're looking at the previous ball game and the beginning of this one, Clark had uh, eight fouls in 18 game minutes. So if you're wondering why he had a little dip here, that's why. That's Scott Pollard-esque foul frequency. I still like Brandon Clark over Tillman. I think they're going to mix and match a little bit here. I think Memphis, if I recall, we were talking about on a show, maybe uh, Tuesday's show, they uh, they have another big man coming up in their next ball game, and then they pivot back into some more running teams. So you might see Tillman get another start. You might see it flip back and forth. Would I pick up Tillman uh, on head-to-head? I think the answer is probably, because, again, if you find a good scheduling spot, that's where that makes sense. It's not somebody that you're like, going to play the whole time Steven Adams is out, but if you can look at the schedule and kind of grade it out, find where Memphis is going to take on some bigger teams. They got the Cavs. I didn't look it up. It just it popped back into my my drug-addled brain right now. That's a huge team. That's like prototypical you're going to see Tillman there. So he makes a lot of sense in their next ball game. I don't remember who they have after that, but I remember it being somebody smaller. Then you probably see it pivot back the other way. In Roto... I probably start Clark every game because he can rack up stats so very fast. For Tillman on Roto, I start when he's starting. It's a little more simple, I guess. Start when he starts. And then on Portland, I don't want to bury the lead here. Drew Eubanks is the ad. He played 24 minutes. He'll probably be in the 27, 28-minute range uh, while Nurkic is out. He had five fouls in 24 minutes, so that uh, contributed a little bit to his numbers being depressed. Also, He's just not a guy that they're going to consistently dole out 30 minutes to unless he's earning it in a given ballgame. Typically, he does, because Eubanks is a high-energy, slightly better defender than Nurkic. Not as good offensively, but uh, with the way that Dame has been playing lately, they don't need... They they haven't needed Nurk on offense. They need someone who can actually go try to stop somebody on the other side. Interesting twist, by the way. These two teams shot the exact same field goal percent. Uh, Portland had five more three-pointers and made more of their free throws, which actually were almost a dead heat also, 27 and 28. Pretty weird uh, box score from this ball game. 
So you're picking up Drew Eubanks. Nurk re-aggravating a calf injury that he probably shouldn't have come back from anyway. He's almost definitely going to kind of go the Bradley Beal route now uh, and miss a few ball games. We don't know how many. I would guess a week, maybe two. Cavs are weird, though. And we just keep seeing this stuff where players try to play through the soft tissue things. Devin Booker knocked himself out for a month. Beal knocked himself out for a couple weeks. Now Nurk is probably going to knock himself out for a week or two. Enjoy the Eubanks run. Uh, there is actually a non-zero, but also not gigantic possibility that Nurkic gets moved at the deadline. It's not an easy contract, uh, so don't get me wrong. This is like a like a three to five percent chance. But if Portland likes what they look like without him, then he might start to get phased out, and they might try to unload to a team that maybe needs a little more offense out of the center spot, but isn't as reliant at, or. Maybe has better defense around the center spot that Portland simply doesn't have. Josh Hart was terrible. He was good in his previous ball game. He's a hold. He just it wasn't there in this one. Dame had eight rebounds, so I you know those generally are ones that go to Josh Hart. Anthony Simons is going to get more shots. Jeremy Grant clunked his head and uh, had to leave early with concussion protocol stuff I don't know how long he's going to be out we just can't know because concussions vary in shapes and sizes and hopefully he gets back soon there really isn't an obvious ad there Trendon Watford probably picks up the minutes uh, but I don't think he does enough fantasy wise to hit 12 teamers Boston Brooklyn you could just throw this one out uh, Boston won by 43 this ball game was over by the end of the first quarter really and it's frankly kind of amazing that anybody hit 30 minutes on either side. And Jalen Brown, Derek White, and Kyrie Irving did. So thank your lucky stars if you manage to have Jason Tatum, who posted a bunch of numbers in his 29 minutes, or any of those guys who touched 30, because everybody else struggled to put up numbers. Uh, Horford, who I already talked about on our uh, the pre-show on YouTube. There's so much anger at Big Al, but this is actually not a bad ball game considering it was over by early in the third quarter. Time Lord looked good, though. 16-9 with a block on 7-8 of eight shooting and 2-2 of two free throws. He's going to come around. We always knew it was going to be a slog with him, uh, but I think he's up in the... Where the hell's Time Lord now? Has he moved himself up into, like, the 70 range? 67. Robert Williams number 67 right now. And climbing. He's only at 1.2 blocks per game. Just infinite upside with that dude. Anywho, let's keep trucking. Uh, like I said, we're going to move fast, and I'm not going to deep dive that ball game. Minnesota beat Golden State in overtime. There is an expectation now that with the Warriors on a back-to-back, they might give most of the regulars off. We shall see. We shall see. This is something the Warriors were able to do earlier in the season when it seemed like things were going to be okay. They're in the seven seed right now, which feels comfortable, but they're one game up on being out of the playoffs altogether. The Blazers uh, are 25-26. and 26. The Warriors are 26-25. and 25. Thunder are a game back of the Blazers. Lakers are a half game back of the Thunder. They're just, like, there really isn't time anymore for teams to dick around. It feels like the top four in the West are beginning to separate themselves in some way. The Nuggets are way out in front. The Grizzlies have been dealing with injury stuff, but they've, you know, they're they're hanging in there in that two seed. The Kings zooming along. I, you know, I could see them fall to the four or the five before this is all done, but it, to me it feels like they're 
comfortably above the play-in for now. And the Clippers, who are healthy for the moment, knock on wood, are a cut above a lot of these other teams. The Mavericks, I've said it before on this show, to me, they're kind of a paper tiger. If Luka doesn't have a great ball game, they lose. The Wolves have been playing better, and frankly, they're a team that should have been better this year. So it's not a, a massive surprise to see them getting a little bit in the right direction, but they could fall back if something doesn't click right. Warriors have been hit or miss all year. Injury stuff, yes, because Steph was out for a while, but it, a lot of it is just hangover. Suns are getting healthy. They'll move up the board. They're one of the teams that I think you could see slide up towards that top five as Booker comes back. They're targeting, by the way, first thing next week for Devin Booker. That was a piece of news that dropped yesterday in the evening. Uh, Pelicans, will they get healthy? I don't know. Like Zion is obviously the engine for that team. We've seen it now with him out. They've been quite awful with no Zion. Uh, and I don't expect him back super quickly here. His body just isn't built for it. Blazers, this is very much where they belong. Jazz, Thunder. Uh, Lakers are an interesting one because you've actually seen them, like, they, like, <laughs> Lakers look kind of good lately, which is not, okay, I got to choose my words more carefully. They haven't looked good, but they've looked better than this cluster of teams that they're in by basically taking some of the best teams in basketball to the final shot and then, we all know the storyline there. So all that to say, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's still early in the day. We, uh, the, the report from Anthony Slater suggested that the Warriors will probably rest their guys. But after losing in Minnesota, does that change the outlook a little bit? Because you're basically saying, all right, well, I guess we're okay with losing another one and falling back to 500. But... I mean, look, like, who else plays today? I don't even remember who, who's on the damn docket for uh, the ball games tonight. Thursday, it's a, it's a bigger Thursday than usual, so it's not the, the typical tiny card. But the Lakers are going tonight. Uh, Dallas, New Orleans are going tonight. Who else is in that cluster that's playing this evening? I think that's, those are the teams that are playing right around them. So, like, if the Warriors lose and the Pelicans win, the Warriors fall to the 10 seed a half game up. Can they risk it? Our old friend Vince here on the show used to tell me you have to risk it to get the biscuit. Anyway, I've gone off the rails here. If the Warriors rest everybody, you know it's going to be a Jordan Poole megafest. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo would likely be worth a one-game stream. Kevon Looney would probably be worth a one-game stream. And uh, if you really want to get a little weird with it, Jonathan Kaminga and Anthony Lamb might also be on the table. But that's the fantasy one-night stand we've talked about. Minnesota, slow-mo, missed four of his five free throws, which derailed what was otherwise a brilliant slow-mo line, but you're not doing anything with it. And I've told you a bunch of times on Jaden McDaniels, he's just going to always teeter right on the edge of doing enough, but I lean towards generally starting him and holding him. And then you got the Nas Reed fill-in stuff, 24, 13, and 4. If he doesn't get into foul trouble, Nas Reed is one of the best per-minute producers in basketball. So anytime... Rudy Gobert sits. He's an obvious choice. I had a bunch of folks that were kind of doubting Nas Reed because last time Gobert missed, whatever, two or three ball games, Nas kept getting into foul trouble, and someone tweeted at me that Nathan Knight was better. I was like, come on, guys. Like, just, you don't even have to watch the game live to see, oh, Nas Reed, like, 18 minutes, five fouls. It's, it's so very clear. 
Houston beat Oklahoma City. This was, you know, for a Thunder team that is not tanking this year. They're way out in front of the tanking team, so it's too late for them on that regard, which, by the way, it should be good news if you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander on your fantasy team. I don't think they're going to shut him down. He'll probably get his rest days every once in a blue moon, uh, but he's in there, and he's number four on a per-game basis this year, uh, so just enjoy it, you know? And he hasn't really shown much in the way of slowdown. As far as the other stuff with the Thunder, it's a little bit of a roulette wheel. Jalen Williams, I thought we were going to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl back. They recalled him from the G League, but he still didn't play, so we didn't get that data point yet. So you're still playing Giddy, you're still playing Jalen Williams. Kenny Hustle had a better ball game. That's Kenrich Williams, but he's more of a you know a guy you might play head to head on a back to back or something like that. Houston's side is frankly way more interesting in this ball game. Tari Eason only got 19 minutes off the bench despite both Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. being out. But it didn't matter because Eason said, you know what, screw you guys. If you're only going to play me a few minutes because we're going to be trying to lose these ball games and this, and this one failing to do so, I'm going to go as wild as I've ever gone in my life. And Eason took 21 shots in 19 minutes, posted 20 points, 13 rebounds, three steals, and two blocks. Oh, my goodness. So... You know, there's, there's two ways to look at this. Number one is, this is what we've talked about. We need the Rockets to move not only Eric Gordon, likely at the trade deadline, because he's probably gone, but also one other guy. K.J. Martin would be my vote there. He's someone that we've seen kind of on the block. Jay Sean Tate would also be a possibility. They're not going to move Alperen Sengun. They're not going to move Jabari Smith Jr. They're not going to move Jalen Green. They're not going to move Kevin Porter Jr., so it's going to have to be Gordon and then whoever would slot in behind him where it kind of moves guys around on the board. If K.J. Martin isn't there, Jayshon Tate will pick up some of those minutes at small forward. But I think that at that point, they kind of won't have a choice because they've been trying to play Tari Eason at power forward almost exclusively to this point. But if Gordon and a small forward are each gone... Uh, it just doesn't give them that many options to not give Eason a couple more minutes. But we also need to keep our expectations in check. Unless Jabari Smith Jr. gets hurt, it's probably not going to be 30 minutes for Eason. It's probably going to be more like 25 or 26, up from 22. He'll get like three minutes at another spot on the floor. Small, but not zero. And the beauty of Eason, because, uh, you know, I, like, I get it. The minutes haven't really jumped, even with some guys out in the backcourt. But the opportunity has. And for the Rockets, at a certain point, other guys are going to start to get some days off. That'll happen. And they're the second-worst team in basketball. So they've effectively pulled off the tank, although they have won two games in a row like a couple of idiots. I just don't think there's a whole lot to lose basically. What do you have to lose? We're one week from the trade deadline today. If they don't move all these guys, and Eason is still stuck at 20, 21 minutes per ball game, fine, you move on. In 21 minutes, he's been like around top 140 this year, which is pretty damn good. And it's telling us that all we really need is like four additional minutes for him to be inside the top 100. And anything over that is kind of gravy, which you saw yesterday. Usage guys were out. So he got in there and he was like, screw this. I'm taking all the shots. The hell with all of you. So I'm in favor of an Eason stash because it's only a week. 
at this point. I think I did the probability game on the show before where I was like, look, the probability that the right guys get out of his way is probably like 15 to 20%. It's not huge, but if they do, the chances of him hitting are enormous. So that's why, you know, you multiply those together, you still get a relatively low probability, but that's why I like Eason. It's why I like Mark Williams as of the other trade deadline stash, because if the guy in front of him gets out of the way, then it's basically a lock for value. And it's why Zach Collins is kind of in that next tier down. If the guy gets out of his way, which in that instance I think is more likely, he will have value. I just don't think it's quite as high. His is where higher likelihood that he gets more minutes than these other other two dudes. But can he do as much with them? Uh, Nick's got some run for the Rockets. Eight and seven with a couple of blocks. He was filling in for Jalen Green. In the starting five, he's not a guy that I'm picking up in 12 teamers. Sacramento beat San Antonio. Not much on the Kings side. Malik Monk had another one of his heater games, but we've seen this enough times this year to know the second you pick him up and start him, that's probably not going to happen anymore. Uh, Keegan Murray slowed down. He'll be fine. He had a terrible shooting game. It's going to happen. The seven rebounds actually makes me feel almost better than... The other stuff, because, you know, it was a horrible ball game. There's no sugarcoating that. But this is the time of year where rookies continue to show that steady improvement. But he's not like a top 50 guy, so you're still going to get some clunkers every once in a while. This is one of them. Spurs side, Jacopo got 29 minutes. I, it's hard to know when they're going to take the bubble wrap off him for a ball game, but he's still a start. And to me, he's still a buy low. Trey Jones left early in this ball game. Jeremy Sohan left early in this ball game with a foot and a back injury, respectively. Neither one of them came back which meant extra Malachi Branham and extra Josh Richardson. I'm a little reticent about diving in on the Branham thing. He's He would basically be the backup point guard uh, if Trey Jones misses additional time, but then you know the Spurs are a tanking dumpster fire at times, so it, it, it's hard to get an exact read on what's going to happen. If uh, Sohan misses time, I think I probably would feel comfortable rolling with Josh Richardson, even if he comes off the bench in that regard, just because his fantasy game translates a little bit better. We know that by now with Jay Rich. If he gets the you know, 25, 26 minutes, he can hit startable value. Uh, in a good case can, scenario here for us, if we're looking for a streamer, you'd want both of those guys to miss a game because then you're like, okay, well, Jay Rich is pretty much a lock. And then Branham, uh, at that point, I think I would consider him maybe more so on the head-to-head side. I don't think I have the confidence to start him uh, in Roto, even if a bunch of guys are out. Utah beat Toronto 131-128. Nice high-scoring game. That meant fun fantasy numbers for a lot of guys. Freddie Van Fleet, huge triple-double in a loss. Gary Trent was pretty good. Scotty Barnes has been trending up. Precious Achua slowed down a little bit. Missed a bunch of free throws. You know, it's part of the stuff that we're worried about with him, but he still had a steal and a block, and his field goal percent was good. So, you know, he's decidedly just above average. At least as far as this fill-in situation goes. And uh, then on the Utah side, Kelly Olenek minutes up near 20 now. Those will slowly tick up towards starter level. Uh, If you can keep him in your IL slot, I still would. I don't, I mean, you can't make any other roster moves with that happening, but I would still probably try to do it, even if it kind of locks you for another game or two. 
eventually he's going to be playing starters minutes. They're ramping him up. They're just kind of taking it easy. Uh, in the meantime, that means a little extra for guys like Malik Beasley off the bench, who's really, again, more of a schedule play than anything else. I love what I'm seeing out of Mike Conley these days. He's trended back up in a big way. Free throw number is starting to get back where it needs to be and has been throughout his career. Uh, the assists have been good all year. I don't know where the blocks came from here. And then Walker Kessler had seven blocks again, and he's just taken Jared Vanderbilt's job. There was a lot of fear that he was going to take uh, Kelly Olynyk's spot, but no, he switched with Vanderbilt, as we said on the show, because those are the non-floor spacers on this team. There's only room for one. Olynyk can space the floor. And then not much to take away from the last ball game. Atlanta smashed Phoenix. Suns didn't play their regulars more than about 25 minutes here. This ball game was over early, so don't read too much into it. Other than one footnote, and it was a little bit of news that I think might have slipped by last night on Cam Johnson. Uh, we had Gerald Bourget on the show a, a couple weeks back when I think Chris Paul was getting ready to make his return. Uh, Gerald was tweeting last night, uh, some of the post-game chat with Cam Johnson, who said he knew he was going to be playing shorter stints because the team had kind of rushed him back from injury. They overdid it, and then they had to reel him in. This is actually a really unique and kind of rare occurrence where a team was like, crap, we played our guy way too much his first couple games back from being hurt. It was not our intent to give him almost starters-level minutes. And then for all of us out in the fantasy basketball community, we were watching it, and we were like, oh, well, like, okay, I guess Cam Johnson's just good to go now. And we're like, all right, well, I, you know, that means top 75 production the rest of the way. But then the Suns kind of quietly were like, we didn't do a normal ramp up. We went high, and now we got to bring him back down. So they've swung the pendulum back the other way with Cam and said, look, you're going to play 17 minutes. You're going to play, what did he get yesterday? 15 minutes. That was a blowout. He probably would have had another four or five minutes at the end. But they're sort of re-ramping here. And it's extremely confusing if you didn't see or read the post-game notes. If I didn't read them, I would have just chalked it up to the blowout. Uh, and I'm still very pro-Cam Johnson, but this is extremely interesting because it's given us a buy-low opportunity, and I'm betting a lot of folks didn't see that stuff because it very much flew under the radar after a blowout loss, so no one was really paying attention to the post-game show. Everyone had kind of moved on to whatever's happening next in their lives, and then all of a sudden, that little tidbit snuck out. It's like, oh, by the way, we're re-ramping Cam Johnson. We've dialed him back down to almost a start-over. I don't know what it would take to get him, but if there are teams out there, and I'm betting that there are, that looked at these last couple ball games and thought, oh, well, Cam Johnson, like, he's just not a, a main cog for them anymore. And they'd be mistaken in thinking so, but I could also understand why they might. We'll do some work on Twitter today. We'll figure out what it costs to acquire Cam Johnson for your fantasy team, what sort of player you might have to send out. But I think there's a really interesting buy-low opportunity here if we take into account the fact that they're going to probably ramp him from now until, I don't know, all-star break. Coming out of the break, he'll probably be back at about full minutes, but that gives us like a two-week window here where he might not post gigantic fantasy lines and then probably will after that. Let's take a quick look ahead at uh, what's coming up on the slightly larger Thursday card. 
That's fun. Seven gamer. Lakers at Pacers. LeBron is questionable, but he'll play. Lakers can't afford to lose any of these ball games. They're favored on the road, so uh, I mean that generally means he's playing. Tyrese Halliburton likely to come back for Indiana, and I would venture to say that they kind of need him. The Pacers lost, I believe, 10 out of 11 games while Halliburton was out, I think. Didn't they beat Chicago on a back-to-back or something, like their only win during that stretch? Interested to see if Halliburton's on a minutes cap here because he did miss about three weeks. Um, That's enough time for a lot of guys to need a minutes cap, but... Honest to goodness, I don't know. Um, it's likely going to derail fantasy value for TJ McConnell. I mean, he'll be he'll be a schedule level play still, but he won't be a roto play anymore, and he won't be a rest of season play. I also think it takes a, a lot of sock out of Benedict Matherin, who saw a nice usage bump, and for him, all of his value is tied up in getting extra shots and free throw attempts. And if that number comes down here which I have to assume it will a little bit, uh, then he falls back to where he was before, with my hope being that he's made small progress anyway. Miami, we're just kind of tracking what some of those fringier guys are doing. Kyle Lowry is testing me here. I'm holding, but it's not forever. Victor Oladipo, same general story. The Knicks, do we see more Isaiah Hartenstein in this ballgame? He was good in their last one. Does he get the start? Is it still Jericho Sims? If it's still Jericho Sims, I'm not going to buy into it. I I haven't really wanted to do anything with their centers. And then does Emmanuel quickly see any extra action? I would guess no against a team running Bam Adebayo out there. But, uh, but you know, you never know. Grizzlies playing the big Cavs. Uh, I think you'll see more Xavier Tillman in this one. Uh, Cleveland, nothing. Charlotte, not much. You know, we're just sort of waiting to see if any sort of shoe will drop for them. You know, trades don't have to come at the deadline. Teams just try to squeeze out value by waiting until the last minute, seeing if somebody might budge off a position or another, you know, offer comes in. Chicago, not much really. And I said before, I think Patrick Williams probably is kind of right in that now Jaden McDaniels range of like 95 to 110, and he'll probably just kind of hang out there the rest of the way. Pelicans, do any of the fringier guys hang on? They looked good in their last one. I, uh, I'm still not sure that I buy they can keep it up, but we'll see. Dallas, nothing. You know, we saw now with Luka back, no one's really consistent enough filling in for Christian Wood. It's it's Luka and the Luka heirs. Well, Dinwiddie's been above the, the cut line. Golden State, we talked about, they're going to have half their team missing. Does that allow Denver, then, to rest some people? Would be uh, kind of the other half of that. Does Denver give some dudes the day off. I don't know. Clippers, they're pretty healthy. This should be a fun ball game. Milwaukee, too. Maybe we get Middleton up to 22 minutes in this one? As I've told you guys before, if I get word that Middleton's playing 24 minutes or more, I'm starting him. That's my cutoff for him. So that's what we're watching in this ball game. but, you know, nothing else, really. Uh, and that is the show, because I am completely gassed. I went 30 minutes anyway, and I have not yet dripped a booger on the microphone i would say again please do follow me on twitter at dan Bespris. we do so so much over there hit me up if you want to be a part of what we're doing here at sports ethos uh an at reply my dms are closed i'm sad that i had to do that but i did they used to be open but then i'd get 45 dms every day people asking fantasy questions and that's uh kind of hard to follow 
if I have I'm trying to conduct business in there also. So hit me up with a way an at reply on Twitter if you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Sports Ethos. Otherwise, I'll be back at you guys tomorrow. That'll be the Aaron Bruski show. That's 10:15 live on YouTube tomorrow morning Pacific time. Myself, Aaron Bruski, will go over the biggest stories of the week. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Enjoy the slightly larger card. We'll see you soon.